Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Reading is from Isaiah 58, verses 6 to 8. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Well, we never want you to miss out on grace on a Sunday morning, and we have not in that particular context today. Well done, Grace. Thank you so much for that. Um, Several years ago, um, I flew to California on a nighttime flight for a friend's wedding. And um, looking out the window for the final hour of that flight wasn't particularly interesting because it was just long stretches of uninhabited land um, covered by the darkness of night. Uh, But I remember approaching LA and um, seeing the city and the twinkling lights of the city in the distance, first tiny, barely perceptible, and then getting bigger as we began the descend into land and the lights were just shining. Uh, All of the avenues lit up in straight lines. The city was alive, visible, beautiful, bright. And I I wanted in. And light does that, doesn't it? Uh, A city on a hill cannot be hidden, Jesus said. Light can communicate warmth and draw you in, make you want in on what's there, share in on it. Communicate life and, and draw you. Of course, light can also expose you in ways that you wish it didn't. So uh, very often I have to get up earlier than the rest of my family in the mornings. In the wintertime, that's a dark experience. And so I'm you know, getting changed and then I'm doing my teeth. And then I get into work in hospital, go into the office. And then I look down and there's a big splodge of toothpaste on my shirt. And my socks don't match. And I'm not the only one who has that experience, I know. Um, some of you, even this morning, if you look down, you'll find, you'll find there's a big splodge. Um, Light can expose what's there, can't it? In the passage read by by Grace just a moment ago, the prophet Isaiah speaks of light breaking forth like the dawn. Can you picture that? On on your screen is going to come hopefully a, a picture now of the dawn. Sometimes it's called golden hour. Uh, The light of dawn is perhaps some of the most beautiful light to behold. It's multicolored, it's breathtaking. What is Isaiah referring to? What is this beautiful display that he talks about? Well, the prophet Isaiah in these words is talking about the beauty of dawn being compared to a community of integrity marked by radical hospitality where welcome and provision and rest is given specifically to those in society who are often treated as unwelcome, 
inconvenient, of no use. That kind of hospitality is what Isaiah says, shines like the multicolored lights of the dawn, golden hour, attractive, distinctive, drawing others in, while also exposing injustice. That is the hospitality of God let loose. I wonder, in your, in, in your families, do you have any family traits? Are there any traits that run in your family? In the Blaber household, one of our family tra- traits is that we like to chant things. You know, so why say something if you can chant it? Yeah? <laughs> so um, when we have family breakfast at the weekend, there's a chant for that. It goes like this. Who wants some Brecken de Brecken de Deutsch? Yeah, which is just a funny way of saying who would like some breakfast. Um, but it, it gets everyone involved, and they all come down for breakfast. And then when Anna Rose, our middle child, walks into the room, we've got a chant for that. Anna Ricking Rocking Rose. Anna Ricking Rocking Ricking Rose. Which um, sounds a lot like football hooliganism, but it's the family trait. <laughs> so you've got one too. Um, I wonder what the average person would, on the street would think of as the family trait of Jesus followers. What do you think? Jesus said in John 13 that the world would recognize his followers by their love. The Bible says God is love. So those who love God begin to love like God. It's the family trait. And it is ever the heart of God to share his abundance. He's been doing it since the very beginning. The life of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is a life of love poured out. But God's love is not soppy. It's not high on feelings, low on action. Instead, it is a deeply integrated love, a love woven into the world we're in, a love ready to suffer, a love present in time and in space. It's what God's like. It says in the third chapter of John's Gospel, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The son of God is the living word, He's everything God wants to say to the world. And it says in the first chapter of John's gospel, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus came, the gospels tell us, feeding the hungry, welcoming the lonely, embracing the shamed, freeing the tormented, touching the untouchables, healing the sick, the light of the world. That's what it looks like for light to break out with the multicolors of the dawn. Why the dawn? Because the dawn signifies a new day, a new time that's coming. Jesus stands at the head of a kingdom which will, in the end, saturate everything, and all injustice will be consumed with the glory of God. Radical hospitality, that's the future. But what does that look like here and now? What are the first signs of the dawn? Well, Radical kingdom hospitality in the face of societal darkness and injustice looks like, according to Isaiah, every movement in the direction of freedom for the exploited, relief for the heavy burdened, sharing with the hungry, noticing and welcoming the despised and displaced, covering over the shame of the naked. According to Isaiah, It looks like recognizing our common humanity with the most vulnerable in society and in life. It might be the refugee new to the city or the trafficked person made to do what they don't want to do. 
or the sick and the afraid, or the bereaved and the mentally anguished, or the misunderstood, or the person who just feels so lonely wrestling through their sexual identity or their gender identity, or, or the single parent working two jobs, reliant on food banks and terrified by the cost of living that's going up and up and up. Kingdom hospitality says to those people, welcome, come in, eat and drink, be refreshed, take off your heavy load. I see you, you matter. Meet the king who carries us, he'll carry you. That's the family trait. That's the light of dawn pointing to the future. In fact, radical hospitality is what Jesus is always doing. When we join in, we can expect to meet Jesus because we find he's already gone ahead of us. Leslie Newbegin was a minister in the Church of Scotland, though he spent much of his life as a missionary in India. And uh, he was caring for the poor for much of his life. He said, the deepest motive for mission is simply the desire to be with Jesus where he is, on the frontier between the reign of God and the usurped dominion of the devil. Jesus has gone before us in radical hospitality, pushing back the evil of injustice wherever it may be found. And when we join him, we find we're with him. Just like in the stained glass window behind me, which depicts the parable from, that Jesus told it in Matthew 25. You've got a picture there of the hungry being fed and the thirsty being given refreshment and the naked being clothed and the sick being visited and the imprisoned will be visited too and the displaced welcomed in. And Jesus says in that parable, he is with the very least. And when we welcome and attend to those considered the least in society, we're actually attending to Christ himself. He is right there. Though we may hardly know it, it doesn't mean necessarily that you'll have highs of spiritual ecstasy when you're with the broken and the needy. Mother Teresa, she devoted much of her life to caring for people on the streets of Calcutta, people with um, leprosy, people who were sick, people who were dying. She cared for them in their final days. Uh, but also in her diaries, she speaks of her frequent anguish at the sense of God's absence, of her own spiritual dryness. She often could not perceive Christ, and yet the Bible promises he was right there with her. She was there with him, though she, like the sheep in Jesus' parables, might turn around and say, when? When was I with you? What does it look like for, for us to embrace radical kingdom hospitality? What does it look like? Well, this morning, I don't want to think too big. I, instead, I want to think really small, mustard seed small, yeast through a batch of dough small. I just want to touch on the practical, everyday experiences of life that we have. What are the small moments of kingdom hospitality in normal life, and how do we meet Jesus there? And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what it looks like for me. Not because I'm particularly impressive, we're going to find out that I'm not in just a moment's time. Um, but because I'm not so different to you, what does it look like? Well, it starts where, where we live. Where I live, I live nearby um, some elderly people who are very lonely. It's an epidemic, actually, loneliness amongst the elderly. And 
There's one person in particular who we've gotten to know over the years, over 10 years of living just, uh, just across the way. Went to see her the other week and she just started crying because she felt so lonely. Her only company is the TV that she constantly has on. Um, but over the years, we've gotten to, to know this dear person so very well. And um, what hospitality looks like for her is my kid's given her a huge hug and she loves that. Sitting and having a cup of tea and hearing about the bingo. How did the bingo go this week? You know, going and buying the lottery ticket and the Sun newspaper. Uh, responding in a time of crisis, time, sometimes, and, and at times getting to pray for her. Ten years ago, she was, um, she, she was widowed and she's not interested in God. But over the years, she's been comfortable with me now praying with her. And she started praying herself told me the other week that God started answering some prayers. God's right there with her. Looks like where we live. It looks like also sometimes the walk to school. Uh, last week I was walking to school. Um, busy road just crossed on the other side of the busy road just to pick up the girls. And, um, and a motorbike came up and just stopped past another car that was waiting at the traffic lights. There was a red light. And in that car there was a woman wearing hijab, a Muslim woman. And, and the bloke on the motorbike took off his helmet. He wasn't very happy with the way she'd been driving. And just started yelling abuse at her. And spat, spat on her window. I didn't know what to do. So all I could do was say, stop. Excuse me. I don't think he really heard me. He, he, he went on in the one direction, and then the lady went in the other direction. I just felt a tremendous sense of the Lord's compassion for her. I hoped she got home okay. I hope she's not too traumatized. I hope she still feels able to drive her car. It's injustice in our society, everywhere. And so what I could do really was pray for her, just pray. It also looks like sometimes where we shop. Um, a few years back now, when Chloe Grace was around eight years old, we went to, uh, to buy some food from one of the local supermarkets, and as, as is often the case, there was someone sat outside who was homeless. I think her name was, uh, was, was Jeanette. And um, we introduced ourselves, we got chatting, she needed some food, we bought a bit of food for her and got chatting afterwards. I was just getting ready to say goodbye when Chloe Grace just um, looked her in the eye and just started saying to her, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. But it, it was in the really cute voice of a little girl. And um, her eyes just welled up because Jesus was right there in that moment, a sense of God's presence. And it's not just that she'd had something to eat, it's that she'd really been seen and loved by a little girl. Powerful kingdom hospitality. It looks also like noticing the injustice or the downtrodden where we work. I work in healthcare. I work in a hospital, and um, it's not very easy sometimes working in healthcare. It's a great privilege. Every day's different. It's a great joy, but it, but it's a lot of pressure at the moment for anyone in healthcare. A lot of you are in the room, uh, and, and in particular for, for for young doctors just starting off life as a doctor, it's very stressful at the moment. 
And so five years ago, me and a couple of friends, um, we decided, well, let's just see if we can just create a community that supports these young doctors as they make the transition from student to doctors. And so we've started something called Professionals Together. And we gather these um, young doctors together a um, couple of times a term. Uh, in non-COVID times, we give them some food. And we just listen to a talk about how we stay well in this profession. And then we just share the good, the bad, and the ugly of being a doctor. I haven't got time to tell you um, some of the stories that have come through of how that has really been a game changer for some young doctors. What I can tell you is, as we've been doing it, more and more experienced doctors want in because they can see this is something beautiful. This is like this, the light of dawn is drawing someone, some others in here. And we find we've got more faculty than we have young doctors to serve right now. Um, it's beautiful. It looks like the places where we work. It also looks like the friends we're with, because there are some places that I can't go, but my friends do go. So just this week, I was, chatting to, I was in contact with some friends at Small Group who do weekly ministry into a local prison. I was asking them, what's that like? They said, wow, it's amazing. Just the, the humility of the inmates. You know, they can't hide their brokenness, so they share their brokenness sometimes with one another in ways which are just really beautiful. And these friends in my small group say, the presence of God with these people is just amazing. I've seen some amazing things. So I can pray for them because I can't go there. I haven't got capacity to do that, but they're, they're there. Where are you seeing injustice in your world? Where are the downtrodden you're in contact with? Where are the lonely? Kingdom hospitality is simply noticing it's being with. It's sharing what you have, not more than you have within your capacity. Extending welcome, speaking up against injustice where it crosses your path. You won't have to look very far. In the places you live, on your way to school, where you shop, where you work, what your friends are doing. You see, if we sing our songs on a Sunday and walk out without a care for what's going on around us, we're really not expressing the family trait. We're not being who we really are doesn't mean you're not, just means you're not enjoying who you are. The passage in Isaiah 58 speaks into a time in Israel's history when there was lots of temple activity but very little love for others. There was fasting and singing and attending worship gatherings, but all the while they were making personal gains at the expense of the poor and the powerless. Hypocrisy. D devoted to God in here, devoted to self out there, in our society, the profile of injustice has been raised in recent years. Actually, we're talking a lot more about the evils of racism and sexism and misogynism and homophobism and elitism and nationalism, to name just a few. And this is so important, calling out the mistreatment of the powerless members of society who have often suffered at the hands of the powerful. But the truth is, when society ramps up in volume against injustice, it simultaneously exposes its own hypocrisy. Politicians, celebrities, religious leaders, the church. Like toothpaste all over your shirt. In the dark, you don't notice it so much. Switch on the light, you, it's a mess. And the truth is, I know my own hypocrisy too. I'll tell you another story. Over the last couple of years, there's been another person who is homeless and who regularly is outside one of the um, supermarkets that I frequent, she will remain nameless, and um, 
we'll, pull, we'll, we'll, we'll call this person Geraint. Yeah? And over the years, I've gotten to know Geraint, and he's gotten to know me, and at very first points, being able to just help him with a small amount of um, practical need. A couple of months ago, the thing is, Geraint's always there. And a couple of months ago, um, as I was w- walking towards the supermarket, Geraint was there again, and I didn't have anything to give. And that's okay, there's plenty of times we don't have anything to give, but I didn't want to see the need that was still there. So I put on my COVID mask, and I looked at my phone, and I just walked straight past. And then a couple of weeks later, I saw Grant again, and I put on my headphones, and I put on my COVID mask, and I walked straight past. And I heard him saying, Mike, Mike. But I pretended I couldn't hear because I had my headphones on, and I just walked straight past. And then on my way out, Mike. And I took off my headphones and um, chatted to him. He said, Mike, I was calling for you. The light of God's word exposes me, my heart, my complicity. Toothpaste is on me. So what do we do then? Do we work harder, get busy, try more? No, that's activism. It's not Christianity. If you read Isaiah, you'll see that these statements of judgment are held within the wider embrace of God's promise to heal, to restore, and to forgive So if you're like me and you sometimes feel the sting of hypocrisy, then what you need is to look and to look and to look again to the rising sun, to the bringer of the dawn. Christ is God's open arms of hospitality to everyone who knows their need. Your performance is not the basis upon which you come to him. In the parable of the sheep and the goats, the sheep didn't know what they'd done, and the goats didn't know what they had not done. But Jesus was with those who were in need, always. It's not scorekeeping. Jesus doesn't promise to be with those who are doing well, quite the opposite. He promises only himself to sinners, which is good news for me. It's the sick who need a physician, he says, not the healthy. It's in our need and in our lack that he meets us. Those who know their need can be sure he's with you to minister to you. Do you know your need? Maybe you feel bound up today. Maybe you feel weary under a heavy yoke. Maybe you feel like the expectation and the demands are always too much. I often feel that way. Here's good news. Christ carried your burden all the way to the cross. And he was bound there so that he would break the power of the ultimate oppressor, sin, evil, death. He says it is finished. He has done it. Welcome to his hospitality. Maybe you feel trapped in stress or sin or fear. Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. It's he who breaks every chain, defeating every power and authority at the cross to bring us to the light of his freedom, to come to him again. He fights for you, not against you. Welcome to his hospitality. Do you have a deep hunger in your soul this morning? He's the bread of life, broken to feed the hungry, to feed you. 
Do you feel exposed, naked, ashamed? He clothes you in perfect righteousness, all that he is for all that you are. Perhaps you feel displaced, lonely, like you don't fit in. He left heaven to bring you home to him. Welcome to his hospitality. Look again. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And as the band come back up, I just want to read to you from two chapters further on in the book of Isaiah. Words that Jesus stood up in a temple and read out and said, today these words have been fulfilled, for he is the fulfillment of them. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus is the son of righteousness, risen with healing in his wings. He is God's open arms of hospitality to you and to me. He does not place on us heavy burdens. He shines his light on us that it might then shine through us to those around us. Not by our high energy, but by his grace for you. Why don't we stand? We're going to sing in response. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the certainty of the dawn. Thank you that Christ has come, Christ is crucified, Christ is risen. This is actually Ascension Sunday. He is raised to the highest place and he will come again. And all the universe will be filled with the light of his life. It is indestructible life, the scriptures tell us. For he has defeated everything that would quash the goodness of the life of God. I pray, Jesus, may we come now and may we see you. May we look, look, look again. Even as we are confronted with our own hypocrisy May we receive again the grace of God who meets us in our need. And may we know the lightness of spirit that comes from seeing it is finished. You've done it. Nothing for us to add to the completed work of Jesus. We just simply get to live in the goodness of it. Love even as we're loved. Praise you, Lord. Amen.